Hello, everybody. This is your host, Ken Boone, with Whiskey Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in and checking out these amazing interviews. On occasion, you may notice that these are originally formatted and uploaded on YouTube. You may hear an occasional swish, a different sound referencing some type of visual. So I apologize in advance, but we do record to YouTube and then upload to podcast. So if you guys would like to check out the visual side of the podcast, please feel free to go to YouTube and search Ken Boone Whiskey. Thank you so much for tuning in. And again, thank you for your support. Okay, everybody, welcome. This is uh, Whiskey Wednesday Weekly. I'm your host, Ken Boone. Uh, this week, we have a coach of baseball. Uh, he'll get into what level and where he's been and all that good stuff. His name is Brandon Hawkins. Welcome, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. No worries. Well, first of all, I'd like to just say to everybody that uh, if you guys would be so kind and subscribe, like, comment. Obviously, you know YouTube uh, You know, videos uh, do better when people are subscribing and liking and commenting, and I think Brandon's uh, interview is going to be amazing. Uh, that being said, Brennan and I met, uh, weirdly enough, my daughter, uh, who is 23, I mentioned her several times, she works at the Scream Zone in Del Mar, which is a scare fest, I guess, uh, every year they have pre-COVID, obviously. And um, for the last three years, she's been there and she just goes, hey, you should, uh, you know, hit up this guy, Brennan. He worked there and he's a Padres coach, I guess. So um, I guess I just broke the news on what you coach now. But That's okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, very cool. He was, he was kind enough to do it. And I know that Brandon's got a lot of passions because I see him post every meal he eats on Facebook, um, which, again, not, it's not bad food. He's, like, really good at it. So, obviously, he's got a passion for cooking. And we'll get into a little bit about his story. So, Brandon, um, you know, obviously, everyone's listening. And, you know, obviously, people know that I'm – you know, a little pre-educated on your story. So I'd like to kind of take a few minutes and maybe spend five minutes on where you, you know, where you grew up. I know you were a local San Diego kid. Um, you know, a little bit about why people thought you were the perfect, you know, child and your life was perfect. At least that's what on the outside looking in and kind of go from there. Great. So I grew up in Vista, uh, born and raised basically in Oceanside Vista area. And uh, as I grew up, I had a pretty cool childhood, but, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, my parents, my dad worked really hard, contractor. My mom would, you know, she was a school secretary at the time and then taught some jazzercise classes. And the funniest thing is they went to an Optimist Club dinner, right, where you pay your hundred bucks or whatever to donate, the, you know, and they won a brand new Cadillac. <laughs> and from that point on, everybody in the world assumed we were rich. Oh, we had God. a decent house, you know, but that was it. It's like they, they got lucky and basically donated and you got a ticket and a dinner, you know, with your steak dinner or whatever. And they won a Cadillac. And from that point on, everybody thought we were rich. I mean, it was right. crazy. And you always have so, to seem to explain that, right? It like, was just one of those things. You know, the people that knew you, the people that knew you obviously knew better, right? They knew how you wanted, but on the outside looking in, everyone's yeah. like, Oh yeah, Brandon, he's too good for us. Or, you know, what's he got to complain about or whatever. So discuss a little bit though, you were youth sports. I mean, obviously, you know, every kid growing up and reading your story, uh, you know, you followed your dreams. And I know we all do follow certain dreams, but I'm a baseball fanatic. That's all I played, lived, breathed as a kid. Obviously, we all have that dream of, you know, playing second base or, you know, for the pros. And that was kind of my position. Um, and just tell me a little bit about your journey as a kid. Um, not so much Little League and all that, but where are you guys, uh, where did baseball come in and, and why did it affect you like it did? 
Well, my it's funny, my whole like dad's side of the family, like my biological dad's side of the family, and my dad that raised me, he their whole side, Dodger fans. Both. I mean, adamant, like the gear, the hey, your team sucks. The Dodgers could be 0 and 50 at the time, and your team still sucked, even if they're <laughs> in first place, right? And they were just adamant Dodger fans. But my my dad who raised me, Russell, he was a Padre fan. And my, I grew up listening to my grandma every day when I would go to their house during the summer. She'd have Vince Scully on as she's cleaning the house or cooking, or she did like tons of artwork and did some cool stuff and crafting. Vince Scully's on the radio, right? But my dad, we started going to games. And it was like, once I got into playing a little bit, I was like, kind of like, well, we're in San Diego. I'm going to be a San Diego fan, right? Because that's kind of how my that's mind how it And the other thing was everybody was telling me how bad San Diego was. You know, like, the Dodger fans and whoever else of oh, San Diego sucks. And I kind of took that, like that role of I'm going to support the underdog and just, it, it, I ran with it. And I got lucky. A friend of mine, um, we were about 10 years old. He and his dad and mom and everybody piled into this RV and they're, Hey, we're going on a little vacation. Ask your parents if you can go for the weekend. We end up in Yuma at spring training as oh. a kid. And I'm just sitting there. And what was cool then is, the big leaguers were literally playing on a diamond that you'd play on like at a sports park where there's chain link dugouts. Right. You could walk up and have conversations. I literally had a couple of Padres hand me money to go to the snack bar. Hey, if I buy you a soda and a hot dog, bring us some hot dogs. <laughs> and I started think, man, this is a cool life. They're playing baseball and eating hot dogs and just shooting the breeze <laughs> from each other in the dugout. Different time back there. then for sure. Oh yeah, totally different. And it was like, I started thinking, I went back and it was right about baseball season. And I went back with a, a like a glove full of autographs and all these memories. And it just went from there where I was just like, hey, I'm going to play baseball. I'm going to be a pro baseball player. That's the life for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of break real quick because I've got a, another part of the, the section. I want to go with that particular section. So Brandon uh, and I both have three whiskeys tonight. Um, you know, we obviously I don't want to make him go out and buy whiskey. And I've only got a couple that he had. But. The black label, um, Johnny Walker, is the one he has. He seems to be a Scotch guy. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to crack open this sucker, and we'll go ahead and do a little cheers toast, you know, much as you want. It's up to you. You're not over here at my house, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> now, I'm not a huge Scotch guy, okay? Um, but, you know, I definitely do dabble in almost every whiskey possible. So I've had them all on the show. Um, but, you know, here, cheers. Cheers to you, sir. That's pretty good. That is good. I mean, you can't ever go wrong with Johnny Walker. No. I mean, have you ever had the blue? Never had the blue. That's the I have never. I, now that changes things. Um, that's really? a beautiful, beautiful bottle. Um, I mean, you can taste the peat in that, you know, but it's still, it's very smooth. There's no, uh, you know, you just got to appreciate good whiskey for what it is, right? Yeah. Whether it's Irish, Japanese, you know, whatever. Uh, so in saying that, and feeling a little bit warmer now, I feel like your story, and, and there's a lot to it, but what I would like to get into is there's a lot of haters, right? So when you were saying to yourself, man, all I know, all I know, all I want to do is breathe, eat, sleep, you know, be a Padre, be a baseball guy, whatever it was, haters always hate, right? They're going to tear you down in some form or fashion. So yeah. you've always said, you told me that, you know, people thought you were too small, too slow, you know. Uh, not smart enough as far as maybe quick on your feet. It sounds like you're a good school student, but as far as being smart in baseball, 
what did you say to that? And what really, what made you go to that next level to kind of hush the noise and, and really pursue your dream? Well, the crazy thing is, is I was a really good athlete. Like I was super fast and strong. I was just like, I played outside like all day. All, I was, unless it was like snowing kind of thing, I'm going <laughs> outside and play. And, and so I didn't realize how fast or strong I was until I started like getting into stuff and saying, Hey, I'm fast as fast as this guy. Or people would say that's a, that's our fastest guy in school. And I might be just as fast or faster than them. Right. And I, I just kind of went, I'm going to be better than those guys. If they're going to tell me I can't do it, I'm one of those guys. If you say I can't do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going right. to go, okay. I might not tell you I'm going to do it, but two or three weeks from now, I'm going to show you want to race again. Let's go for it. And I just started thinking, man, if you're going to tell me that I can't do it, why I'm, I'm just learning how to play the game, you know? And the other guys at that point were a foot taller than me and big. And I hadn't had any kind of growth spurt at that time. And I just started literally taking a tennis ball and throwing it against my garage and reenacting great plays I saw on TV, like on Saturday night baseball or, or like, what is it now? They don't uh, this week in baseball, right? They don't even show that anymore. And right. I'm watching Ozzy Smith, Gary Templeton, all these great shortstops making all these plays. And then I went outside and my dad bought me this like old net that I had. And I just hit it off the tee into the net. And while everybody else is messing around, I'm going like an hour or two a day playing in my mind games. Like literally I'm playing a full world series in my head, announcing it as I'm going along, like three, two ground ball, you know, Hawkins picks it up, fires it across the first, you know, and Padres win the world series or whatever <laughs> time I was that day, you know? And cause at that time, a lot of good, the, the, was it the, the Tigers were really good. You know, some, so I started picking on American League teams. So the A's were starting to be fun to watch with Ricky Henderson and that whole group. So I just started to be use my imagination. And, and it actually, I started to realize, man, I'm getting better because I'm taking 100 to 200 ground balls off the garage. Now it's driving my mom nuts while she's at the house because it's just playing it off there. But she's like, hey, if you're happy and you're enjoying it, right. keep going. You're out of and, my hair. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just continued to do it. And, and, what got me was weird. It's like, I didn't realize no one taught me how to hit until I got older. So I was just, I was hitting right-handed. So I wrote left-handed. I played basketball, everything else left-handed, but I had a right-handed glove. So huh. I learned to throw right-handed. I mean, I played football. I was a left or a left-handed quarterback for a while. Wow. So it was like, and I started, but I started thinking every infielder except for the first baseman is right-handed and I want to play middle infield. So I'm going to be right-handed. And I just learned to play throw right-handed. And then I started thinking, you know, I started switch hitting, doing, playing wiffle ball. And what we did with wiffle ball, because my friends that I had were like a year or two older or younger, it was very competitive. And we had the perfect setup in our yard where it went into a street. And then there was a hedge that was right field in the neighbor's area, a center field home run tree and a roof. So huh. it all kind of, it just worked out, you know? Right. And I started thinking, man, left field's a little shorter. I'm hitting left-handed. And we used to, we played it with tape. So you could throw it and sure. go fast. So it's really simulated. And I started realizing I could hit left-handed. I could hit left-handed. But nobody would let me hit left-handed oh. until I got out of high school. Oh, God. And that was the crazy thing. So huh. I'm like flailing away. I'm not really getting taught a whole lot about hitting. The whole part of like when in, in high school now, it's like you hit all the time. Right. I mean, it's like nonstop. Well, you know, my arm's falling off throwing BP every day when I was coaching high school. You – you go in, you get your 10 hacks, you know, like you bunt two, you hit and run, right. you sack fly, you get five swings, no matter what they are, whether the coach hits you in the head or 
There are five perfect pitches. <laughs> I know it's you know? terrible because I coached literally yeah. for seven so, years, and you're like, I felt bad for those kids. I always ripped my arm off throwing 140,000 pitches that day. Yeah, um, and then that's just it. You just you just get what you get, and you get a hope. You hope that he throws a couple strikes, and I you did most of my work in the T or on the, in the cage. So yeah, but it's funny you have a you have a, a lot in common with me. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into my story, but you know, I was the same way. Even though I wish I kind of felt like I was probably. I was, I was a small kid, but I probably would have been good enough to go further, but I didn't really have the, the support, you know, I mean, no offense to my yeah. parents, but you know, it was a broken home and no money whatsoever and didn't really even know what avenue to go, but I'd throw into a taped strike zone as a pitcher. Um, Cause that was my yeah. real dream to be a pitcher and hours and hours and real baseball on brick cinder block. And I taped it and I would just be out there for an hour or two myself, just, hitting the strike zone, hitting the corners, doing the same thing. So that's pretty – usually baseball players are built like that, let's be honest. Most yeah. professional athletes um, started that way. But you mentioned three guys that that were a big influence, and I don't know where they fall in the story, but based on your, your summarization, um, it seems it's about right now. So tell me a little bit about those guys in a, you know, maybe a sentence or two about each one and what they did. Okay. So Mr. Foster was a teacher. He was my math teacher um, in early in high school. And then he needed a TA for, for work experience. So he was a math teacher and he taught work experience. And back then it was a little easier. If you had a job, you got a job, you walked in, boom, here you go. And you sign it up, you sign up the paperwork with the council office. Yeah. Well, what he did with me is he taught me how to do it. Like the, I believe like the first month of my, first, my senior year. And he's like, Hey, I want you to be able to, to do the job. I mean, if I'm not here, you got to call, answer the phone and say, Hey, this is Brandon. And what can I do for you? So, if some auto repair shop calls and say, hey, is, is Johnny working? You know, is he doing okay at school? I call, I call, I call and say, hey, is he doing okay at work? Is he showing up on time? Is there anything we can do? He gave me that opportunity to be like an adult before I was an adult and yeah. trusted me and to log it and talk. And I even got to like call if there was an issue and talk to like grown men that are our age now as a 17 year old kid going, hey, so what's going on? You know, and he just taught me how to use the phone really well how to te- deal with the teachers if there was an issue of say a kid was going at like missing six period for work because maybe his family needed him to work. I had to do that. And he really kind of put me under his wing and t- showed me how to be an adult. They trusted you, yeah, which is a yeah. huge thing. Yeah. And it was really cool. I mean, to this day, I mean, I, I think about him when things come up. I mean, when we do math or anything, Mr. Foster's head, it pops in my head because he was just this really patient, cool teacher who cared about the kids. Yeah, and it wasn't just yeah. me. If he cared, he cared about everybody, which was cool. So he was. And you cool. got a guy named Tommy Davis. Tommy Davis was like a second dad. This dude. So he played. He played like uh, I know he played baseball for a long time, but he started playing like um, pro fast pitch with the other guy I talked about, Stephen Fields. And when I was a little kid, I'd go watch him play at the local park. And you got that they were facing this Australian guy that was throwing like a hundred and one, I guess, or some kind of equivalent. <laughs> what I remember from from that softball distance and watching him play and, and him and Steve play and then they end up being my high school infield and outfield coaches oh. and he just taught me how to play like he was patient like here's how to play the middle infield how to be around the bag he's the first time somebody taught me how to play that I didn't see from either like this week in baseball or from watching and just seeing it right and he, he changed my world really he was just like like that big brother or dad that just goes Hey, we're going to show you how to play. And no matter how cocky you are or, or how much crap you're giving me, I'm going to go and go and go. And then he ended up starting like showing up before our practices 
we'd show up and I had a free period because I was a senior and I'd go home, eat lunch, come back. Tommy's hitting me a million ground balls and throwing me BP in the cage before our team even shows up. Oh, wow. You know, and it was just one of those guys. And I ended up working for him and he taught me how to deal with people. He had a window cleaning business and he showed me how to work, collect money, you know, bill people, talk to them about it. And I worked for him for quite a few years. And it was like one of those experiences where you're like, you look back and you're like, hey, I love Tommy. He's a cool guy when you're doing it. You know, right. hey, I'm getting some money. He's cool. We get to go lunch together about once or twice a week. We're always together, you know, eating lunch and talking while we're, we bring lunch. And he just like trusted me enough to do those kind of things. Yeah. And, you know, it's like if, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have played and coached baseball. Right. Because I coach a lot like he coached, you know, so it's a big influence. Yeah. And that, and that then, to me is important because, you know, we always talk about a lot of different people on the show and the turns and the and the influences or the decisions they make. You know, like this path went that way, but that's the one I took and it was the harder path. And that's what really made me who I am today. And like you, I've got, you know, similar stories as well. But, you know, I feel like some people don't take advantage of that. Right. Like some people don't rise yeah. to that occasion. Um, some people could see a guy, you know, and go, whatever, you're an old dude or, you know, like have that wrong attitude. Right. And not embrace the situation. And that's what makes you, you know, unique. I mean, let's be honest, there are plenty of people that are driven and do a lot of things out there. I'm not knocking anyone like that, but it's an, it's a rarity that, you know, people, it's a lower percentage of people that take advantage of situations like that. And, and, and it's all yeah. even less rare opportunity for people to actually step up and give you the opportunity. Cause you know, today it's, it's all about me, me, me. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. So there, I don't want to jump too much ahead. But there's a certain section that I, I want to make sure. So you're in transition now, right? So you're, you've got, we're, we're kind of at the after high school, kind of your coaching. Let's kind of move yeah. to that. So what made you decide or at what point did you know you weren't going to be able to play pros, but coaching was kind of going to be more of your passion? Well, the funny thing is like with Steve Fields, the other coach, he was my neighbor, like, like our yards kind of butted up against each Still other today. between like a yard so we could see each other yeah not anymore but like oh, for, when you were young we okay. through high school and there were times where like if i'm screwing around and not doing it, he could yeah he could yell back at me and you know i could visit or he would just you know at school we'd see each other and he'd be on me a little bit like hey i saw you screwing around your girlfriend was there you know that kind of thing you know like just to keep me on my toes and he was a it was a safety guy you know it's like great guy and i knew that hey if i needed to talk to somebody about it he was there and then I started playing and I got like out of high school. I started playing in this a Mexican league, literally with a bunch of grown men. And it was like, funny enough, uh, my freshman coach who cut me at high school ends up being my coach in this league. Oh, so wow. I'm playing a bunch of guys that are like grown men throwing anywhere between like 85 to 91 all over the place. Guy could throw 10 strikes and then hit the next four or five guys in the head kind of thing. You know, and when I first started playing, none of the guys on our team acted like they spoke English. <laughs> and I was the only one that did. And I was like, okay, I'm the new guy. I get it. And then, no, but we, our catcher, one, one catcher got arrested, I guess, uh, for drunk driving. The other guy got hurt really bad in a fight. And I wasn't playing full time. I was like sitting here playing there, you know, getting some time short and second. And he's like, hey, we need a catcher. Well, I had catcher's gear. And I'm thinking in my head, my first thought is, oh, I'm playing every inning of every game. No, I'll catch. And then I started, I caught for an entire summer and a fall for him. And he just trusted me to go catch. And 
I just reached out to some of the guys that I played with and asked them, hey, I'm having a little trouble with the ball to my, my throwing side. What do you do? Or are you blocking? Or are you stabbing? That kind of stuff. So they kind of to- coached me up. And then I started watching more pro games. Like, okay, how are they receiving? And as soon as the other the teammates saw that I could hit and I was good at catcher, all of a sudden they all spoke to me all every day. Like it was fine. They knew they every you know. And right, then I went right. back one one more summer, that next summer, and we played and we traveled all over the place and we played and I got to play shortstop almost every game, and I just flourished from there. And then I just started like I met my wife and we when I started work and finish getting like in that finishing school time and like you know what i'm not i'm, I'm getting to that age where i'm like 21 i'm like not gonna play i'm not drafted i'm not signing i'm not gonna go through that i'm gonna sit in the minors for 10 years and, and get paid a couple hundred bucks a week right and i just decided hey i'm gonna go and get a job and i'll and i started coaching for my high school coach at his batting cage and nice. doing lessons and cleaning it up and like sweeping digging up trash but i looked at it like hey I can hit one of the deals is I'll pay you. And when there's downtime, I can hit. And what did I do? I hit and hit and hit. And then I realized how to hit because I taught myself how to hit. And then I learned, I went to the men's league and went and started playing against some like legit men's league teams, like a college summer league type teams. And right. these guys are coming in. And I'm like, if I would have learned that two years ago, I would have been playing big league baseball. Right. Like it was just that click. Right. And that made me think how many people are like me that don't get that, 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 like a little bit of like, whoa, hey, this is how you do it. It was yeah. more of, hey, they would tell you how to do it, right? Throw strikes, hit the ball hard, you know, catch the ball, throw it. And then the other end of it was, oh, you know, he, he did, there was no teaching. It was just, there right. was emotion. Yeah, just tell us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, gee, how about you show me maybe, right? Now you yeah, mentioned, exactly. you, mentioned um, you mentioned your wife um, and you, how things change. Is it because you know, is it because, I mean, we all have a story of how, you know, when, once we met our wives, things changed. Is it because you're saying that it changed because then you realized you need to settle down because you're starting to have kids and think about the future? Is that what it was? Or is it more like she was an epiphany and kind of gave you a different direction? She, it was more of a, like, because my parents had divorced during my senior year and it was like all over and I'm older and I was mature anyway at that age. And I was kind of like, look, I'm going to be on my own. And I was that guy anyway. I'm just going to barrel through it. Right. And you know, it's like, I'm going from one house to the other and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to Palomar and then I'm thinking, Oh man, if I move, I got to go to Miracosta or vice versa. And finally we, we, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to move and go in to Oceanside. And I ended up going to Miracosta and I'm in the counseling office is the best part of the story in the counseling office. And there's a sweet lady in the, at the desk. Right. And I see her, for about a week or two during the registration and all that but i had a weird like they gave me a weird class and i needed to change it and they're the, the other side's busy and i realized she's the counseling secretary and i'm like oh this is perfect she looks super sweet i'm gonna go talk to her so i talked to her and we're talking about my classes and she's trying to hook me up and all of a sudden this pretty little girl walks in with this big smile and I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, I'm not listening to the lady anymore. I'm looking at the girl. And all of a sudden, that's her daughter. And that's just their mom. And I'm like, oh, wow. And she introduces me. And then I kind of follow her out and do the old, like, hey, how's it going? And then right, right. ask her out. And then the rest like, is history. here we are. Yeah. We're like almost, you know, we've been going since, gosh, 93, 94. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. 
Yeah. That's awesome. That's well, yeah. Cause I mean, I, that's wow. Okay. So I, I graduated in 89 and then I met my wife in 93. So we're pretty close. Yeah. 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 That's pretty, pretty accurate. I've been with her since 93, married in 96, but yeah, so that's, we're, we're about probably the same age, give or take. Um, so that's good. So things, you know, obviously, like I said, I, I don't ever want it, anyone to think it's a negative, you know, cause it's like, it, it's real life, right? You've got to yeah. kind of move on at some point. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. So we're going to go into our next whiskey. I've got Knob Creek smoked maple. Uh, this one I picked up two weeks back. Um, I've had Knob Creek before, but there was a tasting and uh, I said, you know what? I'll do it. You know, I'm not a big flavored guy, but the good news was this was still 90 proof. So usually those flavor ones are kind of diluted and everything. Yeah. So what are you getting into the red or are you getting into? I got, I'm going to go with the, the Tennessee apple, Jack Daniels. Perfect. So we both have just, flavored ones. <laughs> yeah. I figured just to, to start right there with it. You nice. got the apple. I've got the bacon. <laughs> Cheers. Exactly. Cheers. That's, That's good. good. Yeah. Now I've never had the apple, uh, Jack. I've had the apple crown on the show, but I, I didn't even know Jack made an apple until you posted it like a week or so ago. So, yeah, and I, I was kind of shocked. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll go for it. And I'm like, whoa! It was a nice surprise. It's a good. It's it is. Like I, it is a little refreshing. Like I said, I've never had the Jack, yeah. but I mean, you know, apples, apple. It's I'm sure one's better than the other. But I thought the crown apple was pretty surprising too. It's got so, the Christmas to it. That's while we're like. sipping a little whiskey now, okay. I want to kind of get into. You're coaching, okay? Because it seemed yeah. like it's, it's a it's a path, right? You were talking about high school coaching. You did some of that, college camps. Um, and then this coaching epiphany because you said you kind of weren't real good at it at first. So kind of yeah. in a nutshell, um, you know, the next few minutes, explain your coaching before you got to where you are now, okay? okay. Explain what really got you coaching. What made you go from I'm not real good at it to realizing, you know, I can do this for a living or I love it. And uh, this epiphany you're talking about. Okay. So I was starting to coach already. I had, you know, our, our youngest son was going to be like a T-ball. I was already coaching in a, a, the men's league. So it's like an 18 over league. And we were in like a upper division. So I had a lot of good athletes and the league was really good. Great guys. Like I'm friends with a lot of those guys still today. The commissioner still the commissioner from back then. Oh, wow. And it was like high-end baseball for college athletes, whether they were in college or just out or guys that just got done playing pro ball kind of thing someplace to either come back to or transition to try and make another team. And I was like, there, it's just, you're just managing and getting guys in and out. You know, you got maybe 12 guys to 25 guys, depending on how many guys are available. And I started like realize my, my, I guess my, not my personal skills, but the way I, I was coaching them, the way I would coach myself, like being hard, like, Hey, this is how I do it. And then rethinking, this is the way to do it. Not realizing other people have other ways to cope or get better. Yeah. And I started coaching our youngest, right? And or our oldest now, but then he was our only child. And he had a coach that was okay, you know, but there was no coaching or teaching going on. It was more like, this is how we're going to do it. Hit it off the tee, go get it. And I'm like, oh boy, even for five and six-year-olds, at least have a general idea. Like I'm not about winning at all at that point. Right, but of course. Like, they have to at least know, hey, every play is going to be either at first base or home home probably, at that, depending on if they catch it in the infield or not. So, <laughs> hey, if you catch it in the infield, throw it to the first baseman and hope that he catches it or she catches it. And if it's behind, get it in the infield. And the next year I went and started coaching. And I got lucky and got a couple guys that were with me that were great, some great kids. And I've been lucky my whole life. 
them mostly have like great parents. You know, you get the ones or twos every once in a while that aren't the greatest people or they don't like you because you're not out about, you don't want to keep running up the score when you're up by 40 in the fifth <laughs> inning, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm getting better at it, but God, I'm just not there yet. And then I realized like about five years into it, a buddy of mine that was playing for me, um, him and I got into it a little bit and the dugout about like something. And he asked, cause I let a kid, like, so at that point you're like develop, like in the spring you develop in the summer, fall, you're trying to play a lot. And we started going to the men's league world series and we were still pretty competitive because we're that college age or just out of college age. And we got pro guys in the team and in the league. So you're like, you want to, you don't want to get struck out or look bad. And we were all good. And we were at that point where we could, if we had one or two more players, we'd be, we'd be really good. Right. And he came in all frustrated. He had a bad day. You know, it's been like a double header. We're getting our, our, our butts spanked. And I sort of realized, man, his, the way he was talking to me, he was frustrated with his play and the team, not just the team losing. And he couldn't figure it out. Like I could see, you know, we've all been there where you, you're, you, you know, you can do it, but you're in a rut. And at one point, like I look back and he was like one for 17 and I was going, whoa, you know what? It's a little bit of frustration with me because we're losing and frustration with him because he's not playing his best. And then I can't step back. So I waited, like and called him like two days later, like, hey, let's go hit. Right. Kind of like we'll go find some place to hit. Right. So we went and hit and I just threw BP for like an hour just to him. I didn't hit at all. I just let's do this, man. I need to get my arm ready for high school season anyway, because I throw BP all the time. And we just talked and we threw and like, hey, work on this. If it's inside pull, if it's away, wait a little longer and hit it over the second baseman's head. And it was like I started feeling my groove of, God, if I just talk him through it, it's great. And then I started doing it with little kids. And when I got a high school job, I was like, oh, man, I'm really getting to this point where I was I started going. I coached at a couple of high schools and then um I got a job in Oceanside where it was a great job. I loved the kids. I knew most of the kids and the parents, and it was the right fit. I had a lot of them in Little League or currently in Little League because I was transitioning up. They played for me and one of my best friends in, in, um, in our, our Canon Summer League teams. And all of a sudden, I started realizing, hey, if I coach them and talk, like I would try and teach you a trade, right? I'm not right. going to say, here's the hammer. Go, go frame that house. Right. Right. And you've never done it before. Exactly. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to show you. You got and the I, tools, but how the hell do I use the tools, right? Yeah. And I, that comes back to like, we had kids like, I bought a $300 bat. My kid's not hitting. Well, he doesn't, a $300 bat's not going to make him hit. Right. He's got to still work at it and have a plan. And that's part of the, the thing is like, I started having a plan. I had a plan for our infielders, our plan for our outfielders. I knew what we were going to do base running wise. I like to be aggressive as a player. And we got, and so did my buddy, Mark. And I was like, we're going to go all out. Even if it costs us games here and there, we're going to teach our kids how to read ground balls, read fly balls, steal bases. If you get thrown out, so what? But if they don't practice, they're never going to get good at it. The right. timing and all that. And the groove hit. And it was just like, all of a sudden I realized that was my niche. Teaching my way, not teaching what everybody else taught, but the way I felt comfortable. And all of a sudden that was the epiphany. Like, oh my God be myself and be exhausting shell. I talk a lot. It's super energetic. And like, like we get fired up and if a kid's terrible and all of a sudden he does something really great, our team is, is taught to like see that and raise that right. guy. Up and go, look, he hasn't got a hit in six months because he just started playing. But look, now he's on our team. 
We accept him as a teammate and he got a hit and our, and my guys, I mean, I'm still friends. I will say friends now because some of them are like 25 and, you know, 30 years old from when I first started coaching Facebook friends, you know, they'll call check in at Christmas time because of that bond like myself, not right. just me, but like Mark and that, that kind of a, that era of group, we, you know, that group kind of figured out and then like a lot of them are great dads. They've all gotten into coaching. They're coaching now. And it's just, it was like, we just figured out our strengths versus our weaknesses and just built off those strengths, I guess, yeah. at my point. So let me, let me ask you, cause you, you sound like, I mean, you have three kids, correct? Yeah. And a wife and your full-time job during all this is a teacher. I was at that point, I was just tutoring and I was trying, I'm getting, I was eating my teaching credential. Okay. So, so you're basically a coach and, and just kind of supporting your family and, and doing this as a job, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is at what point, because it seems like it's hard. Like, it sounds like you were really, really always, cause I have three kids as well. And I coached all three of my kids for many sports throughout years. And it's just weird how we just do it. Right. Like you're like, how the hell do we make yeah. dinner? How the hell do we eat? Yeah. How do we talk? You know, but yet there's so much time yeah. in the day, you'd be surprised, you know, how far you can get right. And stretch it. Um, yeah, absolutely. We're running, you know, three and a half years of martial arts while I'm a president of the little league, while I'm coaching their team, you know, it's, it's unreal. So it's impressive how you were balancing everything with different leagues and different, you know, uh, age levels and things like that. And that might've helped you because you're going from kids to adults to the medium, you know, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you're talking about a couple of things. I don't want to miss one gentleman, but that you brought up and, and we'll kind of hone in on this and then we'll go to the, the last uh, portion of it. Um, but Terry McFadden, who is he and what does he have to do with the story? Okay. So Terry McFadden was the freshman baseball coach at, or at, I'm sorry, not Oster, at Vista when I was there. We had so many athletes that it was like, here I am. I'm like playing good. I'll try out, you know, you get like a week long tryout. I'm thinking I'm making the team and I get cut and I'm like, whoa, like devastated. Right. I've been playing. I'm good. Summer ball. I played great. And I mean, a ton of us got cut because there was something like 70 or 80 that I know that I think were tried out, I believe. And, and this is before. back when they cut players, which I always feel yeah. like is still a part of what's missing yeah. in society. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're like, and that was the, that was before RBV. It was a couple of years before RBV. So you had Vista by itself. So every athlete that was in Vista, which is everybody kind of thinks it's a small town, but when you spread it out and that those boundaries, yeah, that's a, a lot. Giant, yeah. It's a giant population. When it, you think about one team and I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm like, man, I got cut. So what I did is I took that like anger and frustration and practice and practice and practice. And I didn't take it out on McFadden. I was just like, okay, whatever. I was too young to understand any of that. And then it was funny. The, the time with Terry McFadden is he ended up being that coach for that summer league team. Oh, and we sat and talked. Got and it. one day we're in the middle of like a double header and he's like, Hey, Hawk. Cause everybody would call me Hawk. Right. I got to tell you something, I, you know, and he told me the story. I didn't know who you were. There were so many kids. I went to the tryout and I knew the kids that were there right. and they were all good because there was a great group. There wasn't hardly any bad players that were yeah. trying out. And he goes, I had to go with the ones I knew and I didn't know. 
And then here and you he are took playing it a whole me. different way, right? Like failure. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And he asked, like, I can't believe you. He said yes when I asked you to play. <laughs> most kids hate you when you get cut. And my thought was, hey, I'm getting an opportunity to play against adults. I'm a kid basically still. Right. And I'm playing against adults. You know, I'm like, in my mind, here you go. I'm, some of these guys are 24, 25. I'm barely 17, 18 during that time. Right. And I thought, hey, I'm thankful for the opportunity. And you trusted me to catch a team that I don't, I do know nobody, you know, and that's where McFadden, like, I think at one point, I think he probably thought I hated him because <laughs> he was the freshman coach that cut me. Right. It's funny like, though. It's like when I one started. door closes, the other door opens. Right. So yeah. in reality, it's like high school, you know, granted it would have been fun or whatnot, but at the same, and you did, you eventually play high school ball? Yeah, I played for three years and we. Oh, okay. Won so it was just the first year. The yeah, yeah. year. Because yeah. you had so much experience so, with the men's league that you're able to probably kick ass. And he's like, oh, I see this guy's potential, right? Yeah. And then that's when Tommy, we had another coach who was the head coach, and Tommy um, Davis and Stephen Fitz, oh. one of the guys that I know really well, they were the JV coaches. So here I am. It kind of fell into coach that doesn't know me at all to people that know me and they know how to push my buttons and they know what to say to me. They knew I was super intense, but they knew that, you know, that I wasn't going to like be weak. They knew they could say things to me. Right. And, and there was never something I would go, Oh man, that's abuse. It was <laughs> legitimately like they knew how to motivate me to get the most out of myself and be like the motivational player. Like, Hey, you know what? I, and I learned to like pat the guy in the butt or on the back and go, Hey man, it's okay. We still got three innings to go. Let's right. go. We got a one run lead. Suck it up. Yeah. We got to play defense. And that's where I like all three of those guys, you know, I learned something from them and it made me not just a better coach, but a better person because I learned how to talk to people when they don't have a, like, even at work, I use those same things. Like, like if somebody's having a bad day, I'll sit what's going on, man. Yeah. Oh, well, my girlfriend and I got a fight. Well, dude, you're 18. Okay. It's your first job. <laughs> hey, you're just that, you're just that guy, you know, you're, yeah. you're an optimist, which is amazing. And that's what I was saying. Like, just keep pushing through and find the, the light. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting how those the the age bracket here, you know, they, that we're kind of like, I don't know, like I said, there's plenty of people that are older, younger that act like us. But I feel like we just, you know, there's that commonality with that generation. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I want to hit on for the last 10 or 15 minutes. I want to hit on where you're at now. Uh, you know, obviously not right today, but I know that you have a thing called uh, like dogs and cannons and stuff like that. Is that something you started with a friend? Yeah. And is that yeah, a, like we a, started a, that, a, a like, batting cage situation or a clinic or what's that? It's their team. So we started off as the cannons as that men's league team, like the, that college league. Right. Oh, okay. And then when our kids started getting older, we had kids. We, I said, you know what, why not have, we can still play. And then we, they can play too. And we were, you know, when we started up and grabbed some coaches and bought some equipment and got these cool jerseys and hats and went out and started the cannons. And I mean, even like, they just we just play and they so is it travel ball yeah it's like tournaments travel ball oh okay um, so you've you've kind of created your own is it team yeah it's a team oh and okay. then I also do lessons on the on the side like i do my own individual training but that all kind of sprang from that original candidate team like when i realized i was how to coach my way right i was like wow i i can communicate this and people are okay with it and then I also realized I'm not going to gouge people for it. Like a lot of people do where I'm like, okay, yes, you know I know. Believe me, my boys played travel ball. It was outrageous. And it's like, yeah. dude, you didn't even offer like a real, like the facility was okay and all, but you know, those places have closed down a couple of them, but yeah. so this is, 
So the dogs cannons is our two age levels there. Is that why one's dogs, well, one's cannons? It was was cannons was was cannons was the older guys at one point. Then we started the dogs, and it just morphed into the cannons because it kind of got confusing because they yeah, were right. like, okay, who's who? And I'm like, at this point, okay, we've only had the dogs for a couple seasons. We're the same colors. We just morphed it all into one. Oh, okay. Group. So now it's all cannon stuff. Very and cool. It's like really, yeah. We just have kids play, and it's just a fun deal. And you know, it's like. And we started doing clinics and, and, you know, lessons. And so it's just, yeah. a, it's just, a, it just, like I said, it morphed into this own little world where we were and just is, like, Hey, let's have a positive place for our kids to play. Is that you like know? an income? Gen- not, I mean, not, not the team itself, but the lessons and all that. Is that kind of like a full time or was, I mean, is that what you're, are you teaching well, now or pre COVID? It was almost like full time. Okay. But like when COVID hit, it was like just nothing because there's just no, you couldn't have contact and, you yeah, know, no, of course. I mean, again. I feel like the COVID, you know, the, the fortunate thing is I feel like sports were probably the first thing to, you know, open up at least the outdoor sports. Um, yeah. Or at least allow certain, you know, because I over there at um, I think it's called Big Fly over there next to the wall barrel. Yeah. And so, yeah. Marcus, you know, I would go there and like when things were sort of open, the kids were hitting and you know, they had their masks on and their coaches because I would go to the wall barrel <laughs> and have, have oh, yeah. a couple drinks. But um, yeah, but I feel like, you know, that, that's kind of good. And I, and I love bringing up the pandemic and the COVID with the uh, with my guests, because I feel like it really did put everyone in a different grouping. Right. Like you were sort of at first, everyone kind of shut down, obviously, the whole world shut down. But you were kind of yeah. like, you know, like on your roll and doing your thing. And then it kind of like, uh oh. So during that time, is that when you kind of were teaching and had the opportunity to teach or are you always do being a substitute teacher at schools? I was at that time when it started, I was still working and doing tutoring and working on the teaching end of it. Okay. And it was like, it was the craziest thing is we were at um, the safari park or when our age, the wild animal park. Right. Right. And we were on a field trip and we were going there and we took our kids and then you go back, back door on the backstage, you know, they show them how to do all the scientific stuff and, you know, they take us on a tour and we're eating lunch, the craziest thing. And it's right before COVID was told, said called COVID. There was a group from Australia and a group from um, Japan that were sitting there and we're all sitting in this area. And they said, do you mind if we eat with you guys? And there's like two tables. Like, Go ahead. You know, and they started talking and they were talking about this weird sickness that, that they had in their countries and, and the wildfires right in Australia. So they came here just to get away. They had a ton of vacation time. So they were just chatting it up and we were sitting there as the adults chatting with them while the kids were eating. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think anything of it. Yeah. Yeah. And they were talking about it. And then, like two days later, our school shut down for COVID. Like just, you know, the whole, the whole world is right. Like we're like, I'm, I'm like, Hey, you know what? This is kind of a serious thing. Maybe we shouldn't be here at the wild animal park with a bunch of people that just came from some, you know, the wildfires are one thing they can't bring those with them, but if they're bringing sickness, you know what? Yeah. It's and weird, then, bro. Cause I mean, I'm telling you, we were in Vegas in February as a family. Like we just did it. My boys are older, obviously. So, you know, we're in, like a resort. And we heard of it like in the news, but it wasn't there yet. It was February, like President's Week. Yeah. We're just out there having a good time. And like you said, like a month later, the world shut down. And we're like, that is so weird. Like just a month ago, we were in the most populated, probably, you know, dense area in America, Vegas. And, you know, all of a sudden everything shut down a month later. It's It's been a weird journey. Uh, so we're going to do one last shot. Yeah, and then I'm going to get your closing um, okay. thoughts on the whole what you guys, what you're doing now. So I've okay. got Jamison Black Barrel. So I went with an Irish on that one. Nice. I got a little Johnny Rocker red. Yeah, he went with the red. Okay. So I like 
the the Johnny Walker. I mean, I'm sorry. I like the uh, like we already talked about the Johnny Walker, but I like the Jameson Black Barrel over the regular Jameson. It just has a little bit different finish. But like I said, I've got like 70 bottles, so I choose I have, whatever I, I, I want. I have it. I, I love the taste of that Jameson. I love that Jameson. Oh, uh, you like it? Yeah, I do. Cheers, my friend. Yeah, man. Hmm. I don't know. I'm either getting really good at drinking whiskey, but they all are just – there's really not a bad one in the bunch when you – No, when you, uh, you're right. Like, that was good. I was waiting for it to be having a little more kick, and it was, like, right there. <laughs> like, I was so, like, can we have another? Let's do another. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely do one off screen, right? So, in wrapping up, um, you know, I want to talk about – it sounds like you've had just an unreal, like, I always feel like when I get bring these guests on, they're probably like, God, I just want to get everything out, you know, and I know that it's hard, right? But we're trying to keep it condensed and your story is so amazing. And I just feel like sometimes, you know, certain bits get lost, but I want to bring up the good stuff um, just because those are all important turns in your life. And I think you did a great job today. Um, but the last part is you said something about 2019, Padre's opening day, um, you know, what what all happened like from that point on? Because uh, it sounds like that was pre-COVID and, and yeah. or where you're at now and who's your boss and why is everything so good? Like, you know, you're working for the Padres. I know you can't talk a lot about that right now, which is totally fine. Um, I'm a Padre freak, by the way. Um, nice. So, um, you know, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Just take five minutes and just uh, kind of where it all came at the end. Well, it's opening weekend. Um 2019, I get a call. Like I, the it was funny. The school nurse knows it was one of those. You know her, and she knows right. you. So the school nurse at my son's school that all my kids went to, right? My, my, my our, our current son is at the school. Mentioned to a friend of mine that is a security guard. That's the that we've known forever. And since our oldest was in like bitty basketball, she was the referee. She just shows up, and we're talking. It's like, hey, they're looking for coaches, and I'm like, I. I you know what? I, I told myself I'm going to take a year off, you know, just relax. I'll do lessons, but I'm not going to do any like coaching for anybody else. And she tells me what's going on. And she showed, she had all the stuff and she's telling me, and I'm like, wow. Like in my head, I'm like, no, but I'm like, wow, this is cool. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back okay. of Bernie, so right? I, like, yeah. So she takes off and I'll look it up immediately. And I'm looking it up and I'm like, oh man, this looks like a great time yeah. all summer. You know, and I could still do my lessons. At that point, I was still working at the fair as a supervisor where I had this really cool night job where I just had fun with my friends and family that were there. And we just did customer service. So I'm like, this is perfect. It's like I can overlap a little bit, be there. And two weeks into the into the job, right? So you got the job. I got the job. And then um, get the job. And then they don't, like, we're trained and we're doing it. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then we're having a blast, right? And then it's like the second week, and they're like, hey, the person that's going to do your, that the, the does my job now is leaving. We'd like to, to offer you the job if you'd like it kind of thing, right? And I'm like, no, you guys are punking me, right? Because it's a lot of people there that were like really cool people, and we got to know each other quick. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? I'm like, are you pranking me? He's got their phone out, yeah. And, and then I get a call from my boss who's a great guy right takes care of everybody great like the ultimate boss and he asked me if i'd like to do it and he's like hey she's moving on she got a job you know as a principal at a school and she got she asked to leave you know and it's like one of those things that you know no brainer hey full-time job versus 
finished the summer and I took it over and he kind of was like, make it your own. And it was like, all right, if it's going to be my own, we had like the team meeting and said, Hey, let's do this. We want to, this is what we're going to do. You know, we can amp up the energy. We can do whatever we want. Cause he was, he, it's all about energy and fun, right? It's a business and it's also great for the kids and finished the year with a little bit of instruction and his supervision. We have a blast. We go into the next year with like rules. Cause obviously now I, I have a whole year to learn what we're supposed to do and learn up. And he's got, I mean, he's like a technological wizard. We got all this equipment. Like he's got me a laptop and all this other stuff. And, I mean, it's like the ultimate camps. Like if I was a kid or you were a kid, we'd go every year kind of thing. Right. right? We go eight was now it's looking at now nine weeks this year, all over the County from, from La Jolla to Poway to Point Loma. And even, I mean, Chula Vista, we're all over the place. We added Encinitas this year and it's just this, we have like a daily schedule, right? Really cool stuff. We do there's games. There's all these really neat things we do. And it's all around baseball, but community as well. Right. You know, it's, it's just a really, and his setup is unreal. I mean, he, it's, it's one of those things that I wish when, when I was a kid, even at just regular camps, not just baseball, had the structured kind of dynamic. Not right. that you have to stick with the structure altogether, but there's, here's what we have to hit on. This is why. And it's just kind of changed. I mean, I get to see pro ball players like in pre-COVID, you get a ball player a week that came out and hung out with the kids for a day, you know, right. at Josh Naylor trying to stay when he was still a Padre the first year in Chula Vista, trying to, to um, play wiffle ball with our kids. Cause we had yeah. such a good time, you know? So it was one of those things where you're just like the great, a great job. And then he was like, Hey, I want you to come back and I want you to, can you work more like during the summer, you know? And he's like, no, I need you to work. I need you to be a part of the business. And I want you this part of the business. And myself and the other guy that does another team, we got, you know, and put our lap. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how to do it. And we've been doing it the whole off season. And it's been great. Like I couldn't be any luckier. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. it's like, yeah, it's just one of those perfect situations. Great boss. Um, the people that work for him are unreal. And I get one. I just got a notice coming up about some stuff that from one of the ladies that's great that runs everything. As it came, that's why I swiped the screen. It was like right in your face. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like 19 people just signed up. Sweet. You know, yeah. it was like, it's just a great, a great, you know, great atmosphere. And like, I could, even if I taught you around, I could do this year round. Or if I coach baseball for a team, I could still do this because of the right. time. And, you know, it's like, it's the one where you get to teach baseball and learn, you know, the community. Like I get to see community the whole summer. Right. And, talk to people the whole time which is really cool yeah you know, no, that's, that's amazing and, and you know it's come full circle right like all the hard work and and i've always told my kids this and it sounds like you know and i always don't discount work right yeah but i feel like because of your past and your hustle and it's very similar i always tell the kids it's who you know not what you know right yeah absolutely. obviously what you know lets you keep the job but it's who, you know, that gets you the job, right? Like, yeah. Oh, like, well put. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I'm a big believer in that. I'm in sales uh, full time, obviously for the last, what, 25 years. And I just feel like the more connections and the more people, you know, and the more love you spread, like you do, you know, by just always being like upbeat and encouraging people, I just feel like it's going to come full circle. Right. And which it sounds yeah. like it did. And, it did. um, 
you know, we'll end on a positive. Well, it's not really a positive, but um, I know you're in the, the Padres organization, but watching Tatis last night almost, you know, made my throat drop out. And I've been listening to the talk radio all day. And I know you're not connected. I mean, you are, but you know, I mean, I'm, we're not going to talk about that. I'm just saying, how'd you, how'd you feel about that? Cause I'm assuming you're a huge Padre fan. Did that just like watching that last night? I was like, I stopped everything and told my family, you've got to see what just happened. I mean, that was unreal. I didn't know if it was his wrist or his shoulder, but yeah. it just crushed me. Well, I knew that he had shoulder issues before and he had like either dislocated or had some issues with it. And when he did, I was like, oh, as soon as he went down, I, that's my first thought. Oh, the shoulder. And then I thought, hey, as bad as it seems, Machado can play short. Oh, yeah. Kim can play short. Cronenworth can play short. The coach of me, you know, the, I mentioned Tingler. Right, you're starting thing. to like move players okay. around, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, we got three guys that are shortstops that are legit shortstops playing other positions. One's on the bench full-time, basically, unless right. he's filling in. And then I think they even like Mateo or one of the other outfielders have played short. So you got guys who can play, and then I was thinking, and then it went to automatically, I wouldn't, I would not be on, I won't say what video game it is, but it seems like everybody that's on the cover of that video game. Oh that yeah, year absolutely. You know, you know, you know, or a crushing injury. And as soon as he was on there, I was like, that is so cool. But I remember Dustin Pedroia. It's called the Jinx for a reason. Yeah. And he, I loved him. He's, I mean, it's, I mean, he only hit, you know, he didn't, it wasn't like he put up 25, 30 homers a year, but he was the glue of that team. And since that point, it just seems like after that cover, he had a rough time injury wise. Yep. Well, he'll and rally around. That's the whole thing, right? Like, like the team yeah. now has to kind of like create this individual. And I think sometimes that happens for a reason, right? Like there's no accidents, right? Yeah. Like in my mind, uh, and we'll close on this note, but I feel like. When someone something like that happens, it gives a chance to be like, okay, the spotlight's off. You know, Machado is already a big enough star, but we need now him yeah. and everyone else to be like, we are a team, not just an individual. Yeah. So they kick ass. Everyone loves him. He's going to come back six weeks, whatever he yeah. decides to do or whatever happens. But medically, yeah. I feel like this is actually a better thing for them to realize they're a team. They're a badass team regardless and yeah. then he just comes back, and then they win the World Series, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? Kim gets to play for a month and a half and right. see every major league pitcher that he hasn't seen yet. It's like you said. You see the bright side of it, right? Right. He gets to play a lot more. Other guys are rallying around, and when he comes back, it's even more of a push because, like, right. hey, here he is. And you know Machado's going to have a good year. Oh, Machado's a stud. He's I like – they don't even have They don't even have Grissom – and Grissom had he comes back Friday. Hopefully, and that's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely going to be fine. That, that, that wasn't yeah. my worry. It's just, I feel, but like you said, as a coach, I love how you think. And it's been a joy having you on here. And I just thank you so much for making the time to be on here. Um, you know, obviously we can continue to talk beyond this, but um, I'm going to let you go for tonight, but thank you so much for sharing your story. It's never easy for someone to open up like that. And I appreciate you putting that out there. And, um, you know, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you, man. I'll do it anytime. You let me know. All right, buddy. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. All right, buddy. Bye.